This is Kan Zenshu, the podcast, episode 333 for the week of May 12th, 2013, as opposed to age 767. Welcome to Kanz and Shu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Kanz and Shu. That's right. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. Julian, it is May twelfth, around ten a.m. on this fateful day in age seven sixty-seven. A duo of fearsome artificial humans arrived on an island. Kazuhiko Torishima had something to say about that, though. Uh, yeah. So what? It's just an old man and a fatso? Come on, bring out something else. <laughs> uh, so please do indeed. I'm sure if you're listening to Kanzen Shu, you have checked out the intended endings guide on our website. This is one of those rare, rare, rare examples where, yes, Toriyama did something, but outside influence had something to say about the direction he was heading in. So we'll, of course, link you there. But Julian, how did you spend your wonderful uh, Jinzo Ningen day over there in Japan? Spent it with my family. Um, We also reserved the photo session and the kimono rental for my daughter's Shichigo-san in November. Which is? Uh, The 753 Festival commemorating uh, certain events that were previously done in Japan way back. So boys are age three and five, and girls are age three and seven. And I forget, there's one where their hairstyle changes, there's another where they start wearing the regular kimono, and there's another one where the girls start wearing a full-size obi with their kimono. But anyway, um, this is her third year one. So gotcha. we had to reserve the kimono. We had to reserve the photo shoot. Although the actual thing is in November, but the photo shoot is going to be in June. So I hope my daughter is going to handle the photography okay. <laughs> Three years old already? What is going on, man? She's getting bigger. She's a real person. I know. It's very strange. <laughs> she talks back to me sometimes. Oh, snaps. Yeah, it's, it's weird. All right, man. Well, I'm glad to hear all that is going well. We got Julian over there in Japan that leaves me. My name is Mike Vegito EX over here in the USOA. I don't have any exciting parenthood stuff to discuss, but I do have a cats. Dragon Ball related story. Oh, I do have cats as well. I do have a Dragon Ball related story tied in with Mother's Day, believe it or not. Cool. Yesterday, we headed up to Staten Island to do lunch out with uh, Mary's grandmother. And as we're driving along, all of a sudden, next to me in the backseat, Mary yells out, Holy shit, it's Dende. You know, you know, in that brief instant <laughs> where your mind is able to kind of think and talk to you faster than you would be able to verbalize it, just that. Split second, my mind goes, the fuck is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would be ready to swerve out of the way of whatever this dende was in front of us on the road. Well, I, was, I wasn't driving. Her, her dad was driving. So I was <laughs> okay, in the backseat. <laughs> well, that's even worse because her father probably didn't have any idea right, what's going no. on. Right, no. And he knows who dende is. Goes, okay. You know, what family this is. So, Mike, <laughs> get your phone out. Take a picture. And to the right, we were stopped at a stoplight. To the right of us, there was just amazing graffiti on the side of, I don't think it was abandoned, just some storefronts 
there is definitely Super Saiyan Goku, Frieza, a Dragon Ball, and then off to the side was Dende. Dende was the first thing that we saw there. So wow. I did take a, a couple snapshots uh, as we were driving past and you know get away from the red light. wasn't very good shots, but you can at least see it. And then as we were driving away, some other people that were outside ran up next to it, and the girls started posing in front of it as the guy took her picture. So I don't know if this is an important local landmark or some graffiti artists just have amazing taste. But uh, that was Staten Island. Wow. Gotta love vandalism as a form of artistic expression. I hear you, man. I hear you. So that's going to conclude our stuff this episode. What do we have on tap before you? We got some news, not a heavy last couple of news weeks, but a couple follow-ups to some good stories. And then Julian, you are holding it in your hands. You're going to tell us all about the Dragon Ball Chogashu, which they have translated officially inside, not as super illustration collection, but as super art collection. Yes. It's a big-ass book, man. It's a pretty big book. It's actually fewer pages than the Chozenshu volumes, Mm -hmm. but it's thick, high-quality, glossy paper, and it's beautiful. Great. So you're going to tell us what's in there, the couple things that are not in there. I'm pretty much convinced people to buy it if they haven't already purchased it. I think that's where we're going to head there. So that's what's on tap for this episode. Let's jump into the news. All right, let's catch you up with Dragon Ball Heroes Ultimate Mission on the Japanese Nintendo 3DS. This has been, I hate to use the word again, fascinating. It's also been flabbergasting, just any kind of wonderful F word, including that one that you can throw into the mix. That's how it's been following the sales of this game. For its first eight weeks, it did pretty well. It kind of fell off the media create list, stayed on the Famitsu list, came back up on the media create list, and then it fell off completely. And then it came back again on its ninth week. Uh, Yeah, which doesn't usually happen. I mean, we already had the Battle of Gods surge the related surge back uh, at the end of march it kind of jumped up and it fell off again that made sense normally when a game falls off that's kind of it for it but it did pop back up on the famitsu sales list for its ninth week and it did another just about nine thousand copies of the game i, I don't understand what's going on here so that pushed it up to about one hundred seventy thousand. then jump forward another week just this last week which would have been its 10th week on the charts not only did it come back to the famitsu list it came back Back to the media create list as well and did another 15,000 copies. <laughs> it's going back up again in its third month. What is going on, Julian? Best guess is probably Golden Week and kids being out of school, but still. You think so? I mean, a lot of the analysis I've seen is that if Golden Week has any effect on stuff it's maybe some hardware will sell a little bit more and even that seems to be a myth i i don't know i don't know if we can really attribute this to golden week i guess we'll check in next week and see if it stays up there but this is a weird curve going on with this game i I did not expect it to kind of double its sales again which itself was kind of quadrupled from the week before it its lowest week was that week eight there a couple theories i keep tossing out there all right are there shortages? Did Namco Bandai have to do kind of a second or even third kind of run of producing the game? Were they not expecting it to do this well? I don't know. How well could it be doing if Namco Bandai kind of joined the 21st century and put this game up for sale on the 3DS eShop? It's not available digitally. You can only purchase it. And I guess, Julian, for the younger audience, they're probably going to have their parents buy them the physical version anyway, as opposed to 
paying with a credit card, right? Right. Yeah. So, so that probably has something to do with it. I mean, after all, if you're a parent, do you want to give your child access to a credit card in this library filled with games that they could possibly buy? Well, on the, the 3DS, at least, uh, you can save your credit card information, but then you can add a password on top of that. So even though it's saved, if you go to click purchase on something, it will at least ask for the password. So it's a nice little convenience, but barrier so your kids don't spend the, what is this, about 6,000 yen, I think it is. <laughs> so Yeah. All right, so maybe digitally wouldn't have as huge of an extra effect, but maybe it could help. This is just weird. I don't get it, man. Yes, well, like Dragon Ball Heroes itself, maybe it's just something we old folks don't really get. We don't get it. I'll yep. agree to not understand. That's fine. All right, let's move on to Battle of Gods then. Julian, let's cover the fifth week and then the sixth week, I guess, the weekend figures. Can I give us a run through of how the movie is done, basically concluding its primary six-week theatrical run? Yes. So um, let's start with the fifth weekend. It fell to eighth place. Uh, after falling to fourth place in its previous weekend. Uh, but at the same time, it continued to add to its cumulative totals of um, uh, about 2.18 million people who've seen it and uh, right around 2 billion, 2.6 billion, 2.7 billion around there in gross revenue. Uh, meanwhile, Detective Conan uh, continued to stay on top for its second weekend, already grossing 1.5 billion yen. Now, Detective Conan in Japan is kind of an institution. It's just sort of a thing that's on TV the same way that you have, say, Sazae-san or Chibi Maruko-chan or Crayon Shin-chan. It's not thought of in the same vein as shonen manga, and that's probably why it had these awesome numbers. Uh, anyway, uh, continuing on to the sixth weekend, we have Battle of Gods holding on to its eighth place spot and um, adding um, adding on another, mm, I'd say, what, 150,000, 200,000 people sure. and um, a bit more in revenue, maybe uh, 200 million more in revenue for uh, 2.875 billion yen, getting very close but not quite topping the 3 billion yen forecast that Toei itself had made prior to the film's release. However, the movie is continuing to play in theaters at the very least until the end of this weekend in most places. There are some places that are continuing to show it even until next weekend, the 17th of May. So there's still a chance for it to sort of um, get over that mark. But we'll see how it does. I mean, in terms of the numbers, the ones that Toei has put out have actually been the lowest of the different places that have been cataloging this. And I'm not sure whether that's differ differing uh, methodologies in collecting this information or what. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, we see that even over on the video game side, like I've been talking about, MediaCrate and Famitsu. I mean, Japan's the best at reporting down to the singular individual sale. And even those two, for the same exact reporting week, will have different figures. So I'm sure you can just attribute that to who's counting what ending at what hour kind of thing. Right. So, I mean, that probably has something to do with it as well. Moving on from there, um, we'll see how this does. I mean, we've got the DVD Blu-ray relate to look forward to later this year, I'm sure. As a matter of when, I couldn't tell you, but probably give or take six, six months, give or take, you know? Yeah. 
I did the math based on what both Strong World and uh, Film Z had done. Film Z is not out yet. I think maybe it's coming out soon. But in terms of when the theatrical release was to the DVD Blu-ray release, Strong World took longer. Uh, Film Z, I think, was about a six-month time frame. I'm thinking for Battle of Gods, we can probably expect it in the fall, maybe late fall. But we don't know yet. I mean, we'll certainly announce it on the site. The instant we know. Julian, my question for you. Yes. Toei projected aimed for 3 billion yen over the six-week theatrical run. That This is what they said. Yes. It just missed that target figure. Now, it was very, very close. So one perspective you can take was, wow, they were very, very accurate. They shot for something. They essentially hit it. You could spin it as they did exactly what they wanted to do with this movie. Yes. The other side of that is they didn't quite hit that goal. And in fact, they didn't do better than it to make it a resounding success. My concern is, and I know I was talking about this on the forum, so if you follow along with the thread, you're going to hear me repeating myself, is okay, the movie did what they thought it would do. That could mean, potentially, we either don't get another movie, or if we do, not for a while. And if we do not for a while, they'll probably play it even safer than this movie did. Because why take the risk? Why put in that extra expense if, well, it's only going to do exactly what we think it's going to do. It's not going to do better. Why bother? What do you think? Well, you know, I, I suppose there is that potential risk. I think... Just because of what it is, they're probably not going to, you know, make super cheap things out of it. And, you know, I think... Um, wait, wait, hold on. They have done super cheap things. They have done plan to eradicate the super science in episode of Bardock. But for a theatrical release, I theatrical. doubt. Okay. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is that I think regardless of its performance, I think they're going to take at least a year or two off from any kind of movies um, just because that it, number one, it creates a better product in the end. And number two, it builds up demand for it, which helps it do better in theaters. Right. That's actually the trick that's been going on with One Piece is mm-hmm. that since the creator got directly involved with making the movies beyond character designs, you know, his suggestion was not to do it as often because they were doing it basically every year. Yeah, it was following the standard formula. And I know between Strong World and Film Z, what was it? Mugiwara Chase was the name of it. Was that the yes. 3D one that was Just kind this, of... This little 3D throwaway yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So maybe they could do something like that with Dragon Ball or maybe not even bother. But I think you're right. I think we're going to take a little time off here. And, you know, let's just tie that directly into the next and final news story for the week right here, which is Namka Bandai put out their uh, year end fiscal 2013 figures. And Battle of Gods was kind of right at the tail end of this. Yeah. But you look at what they did and what they were projecting and didn't seem like it made a huge difference. So in 2009, Dragon Ball was not on the top performing list for Namka Bandai in terms of franchises. I'd have to go back to 08. It might not have been there either. Uh, 2007, it definitely would have been. And then it did pop up last year. It's no longer on that top performing list again for fiscal 2013. The number five slot went to Pretty Cure, which Julian, you're of course familiar with. Big fan over there, right? Oh, of course. Um, I have a feeling my my daughter's going to get into it very soon. Very soon. Yep. You'll know everything. Oh, boy. 
So pretty here at the number five slot for overall uh, franchises for Namco Bandai. That did 11.6 billion yen this last year. Last year, Namco Bandai, when Dragon Ball was on the list, their forecast for the Dragon Ball franchise was 8.5 billion yen for this fiscal 2013. So it's definitely below 11.6. 8.5 is below that. It's probably around that number. And unfortunately, we're not going to know what that number is unless next year Dragon Ball rises back up to that top performing list and then we can kind of retroactively plug in those numbers which thankfully we were able to do last year when we did have a year or two of missing numbers once it's on there they kind of list the last two or three years so you can fill in those blanks and then no individual games were listed in the report obviously all we had last year was dbc for connect and budokai hd collection those clearly didn't perform up to the level of other games and they weren't even released in japan so that had no significant impact on them. But then let's take it over to toys and hobby merchandise. This is non-video games for Dragon Ball for Namka Bandai. It did actually jump a little bit. It was 4.4 billion yen last year. It did 4.8 billion yen this fiscal year. And while it's not actually stated in there, we can probably attribute a little bit of that to Heroes and Battle of Gods. Now, last year they forecast they would only do 4.0. So they almost did an entire billion yen better than they expected. But even with that, still didn't bring Dragon Ball to a top performing franchise, just not as good as the other stuff. And they are projecting, here's the thing, they're only projecting that same 4.0 billion next year. So Julian, you look at these numbers, you think about what productions we have had this year, that we might take a break this next year. Does this all seem okay, safe? You feeling okay about it? Well, it feels like, uh, in a way, that... um the movie itself was a welcome thing for fans. And I think in that respect, it was a success. But it almost feels like, in terms of merchandise, it's it's still basically hitting that built-in group of fans. Yeah, I, I'm not sure they were really expecting to make more fans with the movie. It almost feels like Dragon Ball's become sort of one of these sort of classic things that periodically gets a new release, but it's not going to change to a large extent the, the fan base. Right. I mean, you've got these classic series that are out there, things like Hokuto no Ken, or, I mean, nothing like Dragon Ball, but these things that have existed for a long time that periodically get new things, but people know already whether they like it or they don't. Right. That, Saint Seiya, is probably another good example, those kind of things. Whether it's a new OVA, a couple new video games, and yeah, they do okay for that audience, but they're not really extending that audience. And that's what Toei, I mean, we're jumping from Namco Bandai to Toei here, but that's what they wanted to do with Kai, and seemed like it did a little bit internationally, and they're hoping they're setting the stage for a third wave, but I feel like they don't really know. We don't really know. We're yeah. kind of going to have to wait and see. Did the plan work out? I feel like they had more success with Dragon Ball Heroes in doing that than an actual revamp of the of yeah. the TV series itself. Totally. And I, I think those Heroes fans did actually go out to see the movie in droves. Yep. And in that respect, it was successful. But Sure, and it drove movie sales. We're talking about Namco Bandai hobby merchandise toy sales here that doesn't account for things like what we're about to talk about with the chogashu and the chozenshu all this stuff from shueisha the book productions Namkabande has nothing to do with so when it comes to right. book sales magazine sales that kind of stuff we don't really have all of those numbers but right. we'll keep an eye on it so with all that in mind i guess let's jump over to it right now julian it just came out this last week you're going to tell us all about the super art collection so the Super Art Collection 
or Cho'gashu, is one of the two books that came out on May 9th. Also an interesting day in the history of Dragon Ball. It is. And yes, so the other book that came out was Cho Zenshu, Volume 4, which is a uh, sort of a, an expansion of Dai Zenshu, Volume 7, the Dragon Ball Encyclopedia. Now it's the super encyclopedia with lots of new information and some old information and a couple of errors carried over that they never bothered to fix. All right, Julian, now that we have the four chosen shoe out, I know we did talk a little bit about the first one when it came out because that was kind of a huge deal, new guidebook. I think yes. we'll, we'll take a couple weeks and we'll come back and we'll revisit all of the chosen shoe as a whole. We do have all the overview pages on the site. I know you've uh, got the overview page for number four coming up so you can at least read that information but we will save that discussion look forward to it if you want to have yes. it in your ears so knowing that there's this other awesome line of true guidebooks out we have this super art collection yes so this art collection now in the name is different it's not chozenshu volume five it's chogashu the super art collection there's no numbering and its visual look is very different. It actually comes in this glossy orange slipcase. Which you're showing me, and of course, people can't see right now, so maybe you'll have to take us a couple of pictures. Yes. So it's got this uh, image of Goku from 1990 on the on the cover from the, was it Jump Volume, uh, issue number 37 from that year. Yeah, classic and, shot. And in the periphery, you've kind of got these other illustrations that you can kind of see images of Frieza and Boo and Super Saiyan Goku and you know he's firing a Kamehameha at the reader and in the center in embossed in this uh, gold tone foil you have Dragon Ball Chogashu Akira Toriyama all very nice and you have these um, seven Dragon Balls also in the same foil so it's very nice and you pull out the book, and it's actually got this very different cover from any of the chosen shoe. And it's um, got Dragon Ball with lots of different illustrations inside of the letters, along with an image of uh, Goku looking back on his first meeting with Bulma. And uh, even if you take off the dust jacket, you've got this secret spot of uh, Goku meeting Kaio for the first time. All these different concept sketches by Akira Toriyama. Very interesting, although unfortunately there are no concept sketches within the book, so that's kind of a shame. Nevertheless, it's a very high-quality production and actually very unlike the visual style of the Cho Zenshu volumes. And that's why on the site we have it listed not among the Cho Zenshu, but with the other non-Dai Zenshu guidebooks. I actually think that in the future we should probably do an art book section, because unlike the advertising for this in Jump, it is not in fact the first art book for the series. Right. But anyway, yes, so the end vapors are also glossy and have some interesting shots there. There's a pull-out poster, B4-sized, with Toriyama's favorite, or at least the one that he disliked the least <laughs> illustration from this time drawing the series, actually from the same jump issue as on the slipcase itself, this pull-out poster with Goku and Gohan riding this two-legged motorcycle thing. And on the back, you have this listing of all the um, jump issues with Dragon Ball on the cover, which is very nice. Um, but yeah, uh, in terms of um, inside the organization, it's very much like 
the first Daizenshu. The layout, however, is not exactly the same. Uh, images have been moved around a bit. It's not in strictly chronological order within a year. Okay. They seem to have moved things around in order to maximize the amount of illustrations they could get on a page. Well, that's good. Uh, so in terms of that, I think it's very nice. Um, some of the like chapter title page illustrations have been made smaller, and they're still very clear, very sharp, but some people may find that slightly annoying. It's never you know small enough to make you sort of have to squint, but some people may dislike that. Um, I should say that this is 240 pages, which is actually over 100 pages less than your typical Chozenshu volume, which was, I think, 352 mm-hmm. per book. But it's almost as thick because the pages are thick and glossy. And this, I also should say, that this book is 3,800 yen. Yeah, about $38 right now with the exchange rate versus about $22, $23 for the other ones. So it's more expensive. It's got lots of color illustrations. Well, that's the thing. The I mean, thing. you've already said it's got a higher stock of paper. It's completely in color as opposed to some of the Chozenshu stuff, especially all the reprinted things with the limited color palette. Yes. And in that respect, it's, you know, sort of uh, an extension of the first Daizenshu and also has more illustrations. There are illustrations that were included in the seventh Daizenshu volume, having been left out of the first, that are now in the, Cho- uh, the Chogashu or the Super Art Collection. Tell me about those. What kind of stuff would that include? Uh, a couple of two-color illustrations that are nevertheless sort of interesting for their composition. There are some cartoons that um, were, for example, in the Dragon Ball Z anime special, uh, okay. where he talks about his process of drawing the series and his some of his concepts for the series that changed, right. um, and things like that. It's just little minor stuff that sort of appeared in Jump and fell by the wayside for the first Daizenshu. And then you also have... Concept illustrations for Dragon Ball GT. Of course, the three very famous images that Toriyama drew for promoting the series. It appeared on things like telephone cards. And you have most, the vast majority of his post-Dragon Ball work in here. And by post-Dragon Ball, I mean post-manga. So things that he drew after the series ended in Jump. Yeah, let's talk about, I guess let's consider that all the new material. And I know a good batch of that would be the illustrations from, for example, the Gansenban covers. Yes, but even before that, you have all of the Daizenshu covers in here. Oh, okay, that's a great inclusion because the Chozenshu covers did borrow from them, but obviously fewer Chozenshu, fewer covers. Yes, you have his sketches and his messages to the fans from the Daizenshu volumes. So intros and the final thank you message from the last one. Nice. Uh, you've got the various Nekomajin cover pages. So Nekomajin Gairu, Nekomajin Gairu 2, Nekomajin Z, and uh, Mike. You've got these little sort of images that appeared in things like V-Jump and on the online site Jumpland. Do you remember that? Oh, I sure do. Yeah, yeah. Back in, say, 2003, there was this very Flash-based site called Jumpland, and you could have this little avatar character that walked around Yeah, and you did walked stuff. around and did stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got a couple of... Uh, wallpapers think, um, and things there? Wallpapers for there, yeah. So there are a couple of illustrations that he drew for that that were used as wallpapers. Nice. There, he, You have the messages for the dragon boxes, which includes his illustrations, for example, of Super Saiyan 4 Go 
Goku and Gogeta. Oh, nice. Neither of which were designed by him. So I was going to say, let's pause there because I see this all the time. Oh, Toriyama designed Super Saiyan 4 and see, here's his picture of him. No. (laughs) Julian, we know all the Dragon Ball GT character designs other than some of the earlier stuff that Toriyama did contribute. GT as a whole, Katsuyoshi Nikatsuru. And then Toriyama did draw this picture of Super Saiyan 4 Goku for the Dragon Box release of Dragon Ball GT. That was 04, was it? Um, Right around there, yeah. Um, Yes. And so at the same time, you have him drawing Gogeta, who was designed by um, Tadayoshi Yamamuro for the movie. So this also is, in essence, sort of his fan art of something that someone else created. Very cool. Yes. And it also has his sketches for the covers of the two anime guides that came out in 2003 and 2004. Oh, nice, nice. That was uh, Son Goku Densetsu and Tenkaichi Densetsu? That's correct. Gotcha. So it also has the finished book covers alongside there. And of course, you have the front and back covers of the Kanzenban comics all in here as well. Very cool. There's some other minor stuff. Um, For example, for a while, there was this feature in V-Jump called Dragon Ball Damashi, which covered all the various video games coming out. Yeah, the yeah. series at the time, which was actually quite a lot. And so he designed the logo. In fact, he drew two different logos. Um, there was um, one that started in the, I think, the June issue of 2004 for V-Jump. Mm-hmm. And then he redesigned the logo a little while later in 2005-ish-ish. I remember all of that stuff. That was Dragon Ball Z3, Budokai 3 onward through the Sparking series and stuff. Oh, yes. And just other things like little minor Goku illustrations that got included for Jump, uh, Celebration of Dragon Ball's 20th anniversary, illustrations for the like the DVD bonus figure stuff. Mm, yeah. All that kind of stuff in here. And of course, you have Dr. Mashirito Abare-chan and uh, an image celebrating the start of Dragon Ball Kai. Yeah, let's talk about from there onward then, because that is kind of this... Uh most recent modern wave of Dragon Ball material. But there were also a lot of kind of sidesteps there. I know some of the things we talked about when we uh, promoted its availability on the site were things like the tsunami and earthquake support image. He actually did a couple of them. Um, tell me about all of those little miscellaneous things. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The sort of You really look through here and you realize he's done a fair amount of Dragon Ball stuff over the years, even though he hasn't been doing a lot. Um, But just all these little illustrations, uh, commemorations of different events, uh, the covers of the super exciting guides. And of course, in 2011, he had this support image for the victims of the earthquake and tsunami in Tohoku. So there's one image of Goku along with Arare-chan from Dr. Slump. And there's another one where... Uh, Mr. Satan is saying the Genki Dama is getting bigger and bigger. Yep, I remember that. Thank you. So, you know, he's definitely been active in the series, even at, as at the same time he hasn't been doing, you know, huge amounts of stuff. Like, the only illustration for 2012 is the Goku that got set alongside Luffy for the super collaboration ticket. Right. Well, that's a good inclusion there as well. And so, in fact, for 2013, you have several pages. You have all this stuff for Battle of Gods, his character design artwork, including the only commercially released publication so far that has um, Toriyama's own illustration for Super Saiyan God. 
Right. This is something you saw at the, uh, what is it, Toriyama the World exhibit? Uh, or yes, Dragon Ball the World, the World of Dragon Ball. World the Dragon. World of Dragon Ball. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, in, in, in fact, if I have one complaint about this particular section is it doesn't have the text that he included along with it, mm. explaining that he said, for example, with uh, Mai's guns, I just sort of made this, you can use whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> Yes, but uh, it does have even up to I think April. Yeah, super where recent. He has uh, the image for Dragon Ball SD Volume One, congratulating Naho Oishi on the release of the book. He has the image that he drew for the museum. Well, not the museum exhibit, but the the art exhibit, and it has the Hokotate illustration, which I saw firsthand. So that was pretty cool, along with the message next to it. So all of this really cool stuff, and alongside that, you have the covers and the spine illustrations of the Tankobon, the revised Tankobon, and the Kanzenban, all in one place. So that's really cool to see. And then you even have the not only the original Toriyama Super interview from the first Daizenshu, but you have a new Q&A as well, which we will eventually get to translating as soon as I find a spare second. Sure. Are there any highlights from it that you've uh, read and noticed so far? Um, I actually haven't paid that much attention to it. I've already read through the ones in Chozen Shu Volume 4, but he's talking uh, a little bit about his experience uh, going to digital, for example, talking about drawing manga after having gone to digital, for example, with the Nekomajin series, and um, also talking about the big um, poster that he did with all of the characters for Battle of Gods. So it was pretty cool to see some of these comments but of course there are some things where it's like well you know um i really hate drawing the image but it was actually kind of fun designing the <laughs> characters and their hairstyles and their poses and stuff yeah yeah so you know typical toriyama but it was fun you know it's always interesting for me reading the author in his own words i know there are people who concentrate on the story aspects and there are people who concentrate on battle powers but i i really like these sort of behind the scenes things and trying to get into the author's head so for me these interviews are sort of the meat and potatoes of this book even though it makes up only a few pages in the back <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well cool we look forward to uh your translation of that and chozenshu 4 has a new uh interview as well right it has a new interview with akira toriyama and it also has a new i i, I wrote essay but after having really read through it it feels more like a long monologue Mm. where she's just giving her uh, reflections on her, what, 27 years of involvement with a franchise. We should say uh, Masako Nozawa there. Uh, sorry, did I not say that? Yeah, yes, the voice That's of right. Goku. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you meant. Yes. Yeah, even going up through things like episode of Bardock and Dragon Ball Kai and the various um I'd love to know what things. she has to say about episode of Bardock, because it's just like this kind of thing over there. <laughs> what do you even say? Yes. Well, you'll have to look forward to the translation. All right, I do. All right, Julian, let's kind of, uh, the way I like to wrap up these kinds of overviews and mini reviews is, all right, who should buy this? Now, as opposed to the Chozenju, and especially Chozenju 4, which is text, 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 picture, picture, text, 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 text. This is all pictures. I mean, yeah, we got the interviews in the back here as well, but if you love Dragon Ball art, is this a no-brainer? Yes. Now, if you enjoy seeing a few of these images at a slightly larger size, then you might want to also track down the first Daizenshu, but considering the sheer amount of post 
serialization content that's in here, and even some a couple of illustrations that were not in the first Daizenshu from that time period. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth a definite buy. Um, now, I think Peking Duck on his blog was um, listing a, a number of the things that were not in this book. All right, so it's kind of an equivalent to the old Kanzentai feature, which we ported over the, my dragon box isn't perfect. So is this a little bit of my Chiogashu isn't perfect? Uh, A little bit, especially the very early stuff. There's a couple of illustrations done for the, like the very first jump cover, like the first chapter was in, Mm -hmm. as well as a couple of preview images that Toriyama drew promoting the series before it started. Yeah. Like the next, the next issue preview for uh, what is it number issue number fifty for nineteen eighty four. Right, which again I've only seen on his Twitter stream. Yes, it has this two color image featuring um, slightly different design for Bulma and Goku, and it's the only place where you ever see that image. And um, apparently, at the Hokotate quiz, he asked. Akio Ioku, being, of course, the editor-in-chief of V-Jump, and therefore the head of the V-Jump editorial department, which was in charge of this book, mm-hmm. and saying, well, if these images t- still exist, please make sure that they get into the book. <laughs> and he said he'd do what he can, but um, so uh, I guess Picking Duck is taking this to mean that, well, like, maybe they just don't exist anymore. It's very possible. They were early, they were too color, like, maybe they got thrown out, I don't know. Right, right. So the best we could do is scan the original jump page and... Yes. I feel like I don't even want them cleaned up from there because I just don't want that preservation of the time. It's a shame we've lost a couple of those potentially, but yeah, well. I mean there is, there is a case in one of the post serialization images where it's just a cover of V Jump, yeah, so maybe yeah. they don't have the original illustration anymore, right? Uh, but it's the only spot that I can see in here where it's like that. There are a couple of things where there's, for example, text included where there wasn't text included in the Daizenshu version, or there's a couple of um, penciled-in notes by Toriyama, which I don't think were included in the Daizenshu. Hmm. But other than that, the the images themselves uh, and not their placement are largely identical. Gotcha. You know, something I want to point out as we keep talking about Daizenshu 1, stuff that's carried over. Uh, as you may or may not know, Daizenshu 1 was the only one released by Viz over here in North America. It was back in 2008. Uh, yes. Amazon says you purchased this item on August 5th, 2008. So it was uh, around that time. It's still in stock. It's $20 right now. So if you kind of want to get the best of both worlds with some of the images being larger over in Daizenshu 1. You can certainly still do that. You can probably pick up the Japanese version of Daizenshu 1 for around that same price. I did notice Daizenshu prices finally starting to come down a little bit on the second-hand market, courtesy of the Chozenshu. So, well, it's, it's lovely being in Japan, having a book-off that's <laughs> <I know. laughs> uh, a short walk away. I, I picked up Daizenshu 1 at a book-off that's actually near where I work, and for less than a 1,000 yen. I was going to say, you probably paid about five bucks for it. Yeah, I think it was around 500 yen, actually. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have both for a completist. But Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, as soon as Chozenshu 4 and Chogashu come in, throwing them up there on my shelf and the complete picture. Yes, if anything, um, in spite of some of the images being smaller than they were in the Daizenshu, uh, you really have just these pages and pages overflowing with illustrations, which is it's very nice. So, Julian, 38 bucks plus shipping if you're outside Japan, pretty much get it, right? Yeah, it's not cheap, but you can definitely tell holding it in your hands that it's worth 
the amount that they're charging. I don't know, man. I, I feel a lot more for a lot less for some, for example, Street Fighter art books and stuff. I feel like 38 bucks is kind of a steal for this, but maybe I just have a strange perspective on things. You know, and obviously for those uh, out there listening who are gainfully employed or who are, say, still living on their parents' dime, then it may be an easier one to say someone who's maybe in grad school and both fending for themselves and paying tuition but you know (laughs) (laughs) but definitely if this is up your alley then you should get it because i don't think you'll be disappointed and these kind of books this is the kind of thing that people are going to ask do i have to buy it right this second is this going to be out of print soon and i think with the chozenshu and here the chogashu i don't think you need to buy it this week but in the coming months might be a good idea Yeah, it's not really clear whether this is meant to be a long-term release or a limited-time thing. Certainly, the Chogashu itself feels like a limited edition with just all the the slipcase and everything, but we don't really know. Right. Jumping back a couple of years, The Golden Warrior, I think that was 2010. It was still available for a while, but pretty sure within a year, you couldn't just order it at any old site online anymore. Yeah, but that's the other thing with the the books published through Homusha, like Mm -hmm. the original printing of the Dragon Ball GT Perfect Files and The Golden Warrior. They went out of print after a short time, whereas the things generally published by Shueisha, or at least the the softcover ones, tend to stay in print. Uh, Now, the, the hardcover ones, I think, it's not exactly clear. They're on sale until they're not, basically. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. So buy it while you can. All right, Julian, uh, that's going to bring us to a close here. It sounds like a wonderful book. I'm super excited, if I can say that, for mine to finally arrive in the coming week or so. And uh, I look forward to everyone else getting it in. So if you've picked it up or you're planning on picking it up, let us know. Let us know what you think about it. It and uh, maybe we'll get some more of these in the future. There's still a bunch of stuff. You're talking about V Jump. What about all the artwork that Nikatsuru and Yamamuro have done for Dragon Ball for V Jump covers specifically? If you go to Ye Olden Temple O Trunks, I'm fairly certain that the image of Trunks that Mary threw onto that homepage design there, she cut out from an old cover of V Jump. She was like, I've never seen this picture of Trunks before. I got to use it for my website. And, uh, that stuff's hanging out there. It might not be Toriyama, so maybe you can't advertise it as heavily and as enthusiastically as something like this, but still a bunch of stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the sort of thing that you'd expect to be in The Golden Warrior, right? Right. And I it mean, was. It was. But there's been more <laughs> since then. And even then, it, not all of that stuff was in there. I don't remember what kind of V-Jump stuff. I don't think there was much V-Jump stuff. I think it's primarily movie and then Kai stuff. Well, maybe there will be another release further down the road, but you have to remember it's only, what, three years since The Golden Warrior, so... I know. <laughs> All right, so another three years we'll get a book. It'll be great. Fantastic. All right, Julian, okay. let's let's wrap up the episode here. It's been wonderful. I know we skipped a week last week. Great to catch up with you, catch up with the news a little bit. May here is going to be a very, very busy month. I'll be heading down with, I know, a bunch of other folks to North Carolina at the end of this month, Memorial Day weekend, Masako Nozawa. Toshio Furukawa, Yusei Nakao, Yuko Minaguchi. 
Yes. Oh my gods, man. I'm so excited. So I look forward to seeing everyone down there that will be making their way down there. Super, super psyched. The only other thing I want to mention this week is something I don't like to mention, but we kind of have to starting now and might have to more as we go forward. Little informal donation appeal. We are paying basically triple what we were paying when we did the Fusion Ha a little bit over a year ago. Konzenshu is getting super expensive to maintain. We, it's not going anywhere. Don't worry. Don't worry. Not taking down the site. But the amount of traffic, Battle of Gods, of course, contributed heavily to that. But it's not just traffic, it's CPU resources. Daizenshu EX ran on static HTML pages, Julian, as you were. Oh, yes. Horribly tinkering with the with. HTML. <laughs> because I redesigned it in. Misplacing a 2002. Yeah, yeah, I did the redesign in 02 for launch in 03, and even then oh it was out of date. So yes. Uh, yes, misplacing a tag and ruining the whole site until you were around. <laughs> right, and that was pre-text messaging for us. I mean, it was around, but we weren't really doing that. Well, there that. was AIM, but yeah, yeah. we had to be at, at your <laughs> Mike, computer. Mike, I broke the website. Ah, did you back up the page first? No. Ah, no version control. We don't have that problem anymore, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's an actual content management system. Uh it's very expensive, basically hitting hundreds of dollars a month at this point. It's uh, If you're looking for that wiki on Konzenshu, uh, I believe what I wrote on the forum right now is forget about it until we can... Uh, I'm, I'm done talking. You know what I'm kind of talking about. Anything you can do, so many of you have already tossed in anything. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar. It, it makes a world of difference. Just a little bit from a lot of people. It goes such a long way. It, it helps so much. You've seen some of the um, strain that the website has had where a couple times a day, Heath or I have to kick the server and make things happen again. Uh, we need to upgrade what we do have. And then we're looking at really a grown up website at some point in the near future. I'm done talking about it. Thank you so much. So Julian, it's been a pleasure speaking with you here on episode 333. We will talk with you again soon. Mr. Sleepyhead over there. Yes. <laughs> I know it's, it's quarter past 12 for you, so go to bed. All right. Yes, I have to, an early morning tomorrow to get some final documents I need to finally go to the U.S. consulate to confirm my son's American citizenship and get his social security card and passport and stuff. Excellent. Fun thing. So that's how that works. Are your, your kids American citizens? Do they have dual? How does that work? Well, they are dual citizens automatically. But the Japanese government forces them to choose one or the other before they turn 22. Oh, okay. Yes. So, so you got time on that. Well, they got time. Yes. And I'll, I'll leave that choice up to them, but still. <laughs> I'm learning so much from you as we go on here. All right. So, Julian, it's been a pleasure. As I said, uh, May is going to be awesome. We have so many great things coming your way on the website, on the podcast. Great discussions happening over on the forum. I have wonderful things in the works. Heath has wonderful things in the works. Julian's continuing to translate. And Jake, of course, is protecting us from alien invasions off on Jupiter right now. Very important work in its own regard. So this was 333. We'll see you next week for 334. Come Julian, the website, please. Yes, we can be found at www.kanzenshuu.com and um, Facebook and Twitter and other stuff. All that jazz. That's it. So for me, for Julian, for Heath, for Jake, for all the other folks and Mary, etc. Mike Vegito EX here, wishing you a wonderful week ahead, a wonderful May. Julian, kill the episode. Yes. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Konzenshu, the podcast. Catch you next time. 
I'm sorry.